Welcome back to another episode of the Backdoor Cut. Owen is slagging Darren McGurn for taking the glasses off. He doesn't know who's talking right now, I'm sure, although you can probably tell from the accent that it's not Owen McCabe. Lads, how are you doing? <laughs> a tough weekend for both. I don't know who wants to go first here, but obviously the fixtures at the weekend weren't quite favourable. You know, we will give Owen a chance to uh, right his wrong of suggesting that he may be in that uh, panel <laughs> for the weekend. Owen, how did it feel to be left out of the panel? And in all seriousness, how close are you to getting back, do you reckon? You're back training this week? Uh, yeah, I was back training last week. Um I'm not gonna lie, like was a bit gutted. Um, whether that's my own problem for thinking that I'm maybe further ahead or further up the packing order than than where I really am. Um, considering I haven't really played or trained in, in the last probably properly since since last season, like. Um, but I thought maybe twenty five minutes of it in his game and two training sessions might have been enough to get me on the twenty six like. But um, no, it was a bit sickening, but same time probably the right call like uh it gives me another bit of time to, to get a few more sessions under my belt getting a little bit of work done um get more exposures to entering and then game scenarios like um and yeah just i suppose it probably is the right call like and if you're a manager and you, you saw a player training maybe twice in, in in four or five months you'd be going fuck i don't know if he's ready like do you know what i mean so um i bad day at the office all around and even result wise not a good result um, do you think the last five ten minutes they did run away with it? And I think they scored maybe one four one five in the last five ten minutes, which um put you know the scoreboard way up like. But they were the better team throughout the whole game, like no complaints there. Um, I like even we made a went the point ahead or got back level and just didn't. It didn't even feel like it was level. It didn't feel like it was a point ahead from what's known. It felt like they were always in control a wee bit like so. Uh, like our balls all know the same disappointing day out like everyone's disappointed but I suppose you can't be licking your wings for too long like you just have to as cliche it is bounce back because um, anchors well obviously down west me they're sitting top and anchors and local teams are being range of four points now so um, it'll be it'll be tight as as it always is like you're probably a kick of the ball away from you can be winner, win one or two games you could be getting promoted you could lose one or two games and end up getting relegated so it's always uh, it's always tight I backed their confidence as well, but it did seem like, well, in my head, I was thinking, geez, Owen must be absolutely flying uh, to be so confident that he's going to be back in the panel. He's only trained twice. Uh, another man that probably is going to be in a similar position in a, a couple of months is Darren McGurn. Dara, do you think you'll be straight into the team as quickly as Owen? Um, and obviously a tough result at the weekend versus Duddy Gall. Um, what was it like playing against them? I hear that they're flying fit at the moment um, and they obviously put up a, a serious score um, against you boys from Fermanagh. Yeah, I suppose similar enough story in, in that it was a disappointing day out. Um, at half time, it was obviously only a point in it. Um, Donegal were probably wasteful enough in that first half, but we were well in the game. like, And it was more so just the most disappointing thing was probably our response to the first goal. Um, and it's something that's probably... You know, we, we've done in the past as well. It's just not reacting well when a so-called higher level team gets on top. It's like, what is your response? And that that across the board needs to be just of, you know, sticking to what you're doing, sticking to the game plan and just pushing on. And that was probably something we didn't do. And we kind of, we let them, I suppose, run over the top of us in that second half. And that was, you know, <laughs> that was what happened. Like when you look at the scoreboard, one point at half time, it ends up, you know, it ends up 14 point game, which is just crazy to be fair. But, 
yeah, um, it, the beauty about the league is that you've let, you've only dropped two points, and the next game is absolutely massive. And I suppose the court game was always going to be absolutely huge for us because you know we're at home, um, and you know I suppose our main goal is is staying up in Division Two, and if we can win next week, that gives us a massive chance of doing that. Um, so yeah, it's just about resetting us, we're taking the learnings, which is going to be loads. Um, fast turnaround, obviously. So we're going to have to be implementing them pretty, pretty quickly. But as I mentioned before, that's you no, know, it's it's not the worst position to be in. That you've you've, you've simply dropped two points, it's not like a championship game where you're out. Um, so it's still huge importance in, in this week's game. Um, and yeah, I suppose in terms of my own side of things, there's, there's a lot of work to be done. I suppose to to work myself back into the team. It's not going to be a case of just you know training for one or two weeks and I'm and I'm back in because. There's lads in that squad have been training all year and putting in a massive shift and have probably earned the right to be in the team and have been going well. So yeah, that's that's ahead of me. That's all ahead of me and um I'll not be making any claims in a podcast that I'm gonna be in the squad anyway. <laughs> I was just I was just looking at the twenty six like I wasn't even expecting it. <laughs> it didn't happen unfortunately. So I suppose a lot of club athletes or fans will be hearing about uh, goals going against you and bigger teams and having that perception in your mind and how you react to them. And I'd be thinking, probably previous to you saying that, that oh, inter-county players aren't affected by goals going in against them. So is it uh, or does it make a huge difference when a so-called bigger team or a team that's won championships in the past puts a goal in against you, even if it's against a run of play, does it have a tangible effect on how you uh, work on the field in the minutes thereafter, Dara? It's just a massive sucker punch in terms of like, you have to be really disciplined and yeah, with your your body language and your response. So it's something you kind of need to have thought about before a game is something I would have done in the past. It's like nearly visualizing what your response is going to be when when it, when a goal does go in like that's always the biggest thing is like what is your reaction is your reaction to just put the head down and jog back out into position and you know just let the keeper kick it long and and, and shy away or is your reaction going to be i'm going to be the one to win this ball or i'm going to be in a good in the position that i'm supposed to be in for the break and sometimes that can happen where you know a team even if it's two three four players you shy away and and go away from, I suppose, the initial plan in terms of kickouts or whatever it is. I suppose that kick, that next kickout's huge, like, um, because the other team has got momentum and they're up, they're massively hungry to get that ball back and just drive it down your throats. So I suppose a bit of in-game cuteness is, is is something that probably needs to happen as well in terms of killing that momentum, like, in whatever method you think is right. I know the Dubs would have been very cute with this, like, if a goal had owned it against them nearly they would have done something to kill that momentum. Someone might have went down, they might have held the ball for two, three, four minutes, you know, just small things like that there in games um, to try and turn the tide and, and, and just get the next score is, is huge. So, yeah, it's, pro- it's probably that five-minute period after a goal goes in is, is going to be is going to determine massively how the rest of the, the game goes. Owen, what's your response to a goal going in as a cornerback? Because obviously Darius just touched on there the kick out, the next kick out being extremely important. Do you try and take responsibility and make yourself an option straight away then for the keeper? 
and how useful is it to have a keeper with a cool head then after a goal goes in that he's able to find even just a simple first pass yeah 100% that's like what I said there about the reactions massive like um, it, again it'd be something that I would think about that's like right you need to almost when, when you are conscious of it and when you are aware of it then you can't you can't kind of influence it a little bit more sometimes some you know, players aren't aware of it and they don't even think about it like just sometimes the natural reaction is go off here we go but uh so yeah you are like even just talking communicating and trying to get the energy back up just even a simple word of just reaction like and we'll switch on again is, is is my kind of approach of it and then yeah it's, it's getting out of the position it's it's body language it's literally everything Dar just said there um in terms of being an option or looking for an option like you sort of depends on what the like sort of state of the game it is what sort of what the scenario is what the opposition maybe press is like um and you're sort of called there but you're you need to have that sort of energy you need to have that body language of um you know looking the ball even if you know that maybe there's a fan kick out or something or someone's someone else that you to be getting the balls like everyone you, you you need to be sort of seen as an option uh i think that's a big thing where when it does come to that sort of time like do you actually want that ball um or do you sort of go into your shell and kind of kind of retreat but you know if you want to be a a top player and you want to be um you want to push on and you know if you want to push into division two like you, you need to be sort of stepping up in those sort of moments and you you, you have to sort of relish the 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 opportunity and the, like bring on the pressure so to speak like so um yeah you are trying to be alive and trying to be an option there I remember sending a study, uh, the results of a study to the head coach I was working with, with a club I was working with previously about kickouts. And it was pretty concrete that the earlier you could get the ball out from the kickout, the more scoring opportunities that were created. So if you got it out in the first five seconds, it was like 60 something percent. And if you got it out in five to 10, it dropped down to like 40 to 50 and then it progressively dropped as you went down towards 25 seconds is that a conscious thing for you guys on the field that and probably more appropriate for Owen to speak on this given that he's right next to the keeper are you trying to get the ball out as quickly as possible or is it up to the keeper kind of if he wants to take his own time and then pick a pass he can do that himself yeah I think I think the I think in general the big thing is like get the ball out quick and you see most keepers will be will be rushing to get a ball out quick. Um probably for that exact reason I just said in terms of the study, you do see when um as soon as the ball as the ball's alive, you know, forwards like Dara can be lazy bastards and don't want to switch on and try people. So um, hopefully you're trying to hopefully you're trying to get a quick one away. Um just clips last year the the R game against them and, and our third back was up the other end of the pitch and uh, set up a goal lick and he was nowhere to be seen. So um <laughs> my better came from like as well. Um but uh, yes, are, trying to get the ball like quick you know, when there's a bit of chaos um when maybe teams are disjointed and they don't have that time to sort of set up a press or set up whatever positions that they want to be in, there there, there can be that moment where you do kinda of have to play kinda of off the cuff and, and go for it. Um but then, yeah, I think everyone wants, I think the quicker you get it out, probably the more options you're going to have. If the quick one isn't done, then you can go to maybe a certain sort of kick out that's planned or a certain structure. Um, but yeah, I do think there has to be that. Yes, you can have the structures and that's all well and good, but I do think you have to keep some players that are clued into the time of the game, the stage of the game, what's going on around them, rather than just being almost like robots and going, right, we have to do this, 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 this is what we were told to do. 
you have to play the scenarios and play the sort of uh I suppose situation you find yourself in as well. The pictures in front of your face is is kind of the most important there, obviously, in your responding to your environment. Dara, how useful is it to have a keeper that can do one of those one step kicks? Have you had experience working with somebody like that or playing with somebody that that um, has that ability? Uh, one step and then like smashes it out towards the 65? Or conversely, how difficult is it to play against that if the opposition keeper has that in his locker? It's unbelievably hard to play against it from my experience anyway. Um, as a forward when you're trying to shut down a kick out and you know like it looks like he's going short you're just it's, it's all manic and he just takes one step and he booms it it's it's a massive resource we've seen it with Rory Baggin we've seen it with Niall Morgan over the years like the, the length of their kick outs of one step is just phenomenal and Sean Patton as well even for Donegal so you kind of have to be really careful in terms of your squeeze especially if that keeper has the breeze and you start over squeezing and you're four in the full forward line four in the half five in the middle and the opposition just are kind of, they know the play is coming and they just bring you all in and then it's a boomer over the top and they're gone. So a lot of teams probably were caught out with that um, when it was first, when those keepers were probably first starting to do that. But a lot of teams have got cuter and, you know, obviously the best option there is to nearly just give them the kick out instead of that happening. But again, I I always think of it in a way of, of like who, who has the breeze. So if you're playing... If that keeper is against the breeze, I think you have to be brave and you have to go with the, the huge squeeze. Um, and you see all the top teams doing it because even if he does try and boom it on the one step, you know you have time to get there because the ball is going to hang. So, um, it do, it does depend hugely on I suppose the on the weather on the weather that day probably. Um, but again, yeah, it just makes it a lot more difficult when you're trying to defend it. But when you're playing with it, it's it's, it's unbelievable. Like um, especially when you're out around the middle and. You know, you know that even when he's, I suppose, trying to let on, he's going for a short. Within one step, he could boom it straight to you, 50, 60 yards down the pitch. So it's a massive weapon to have. And um, I suppose the teams that have been able to utilize that most effectively over the last number of years have probably had the most success in in in, in their games and their results, I suppose. Yeah, even if we just look at Dublin last year when Cluxton came back, it's a serious asset to them, but... Speaking of Dublin and kickouts, I remember speaking with Keen Murphy, who's playing centre back for Dublin at the moment, and he was telling me that they were making a conscious effort last year and potentially for the years previous too. That when they scored a goal, that was when they pressed the hardest because most teams, after they score a goal, you kind of relax because you're like, oh, we've got a goal. Whereas Dublin ha- intentionally were talking about and speaking about okay after we've got a goal let's press hard on the opposition and try to get the ball back and get the next score because then we're really stepping on our necks I guess how easy is it to do that or how difficult is it to do that after you've scored a goal because the first instinct of anybody after they've got a goal is probably to celebrate and kind of relax a little bit and say okay yes um, we can uh, sit back a little bit now because we've either uh, crawled back into contention or we've got a bit of a lead so um how do you generally respond in the full back line on when a goal goes in uh as in we score a goal um i you have to just let out a big yeah like uh you but that's the thing and then same sort of thing like again it's 
whoever's in the forward lane then it has to be switched on it has to be communicated usually if there's someone has made a run forward um i think maybe us defenders are a bit more switched on to it like um we can sort of <laughs> we can sort of tell them like no i want to say again but now usually you have boys going forward um if your halfbacks your midfielders going forward and generally you'll find there's bound to be a leader in the team someone yes the whoever maybe scores the goal or um, couple of players can be can be given it the big one after a big score like but they're they're they generally you have players in your team that can um re-center and refocus people that can and get focused the task at hand i think uh yeah again it's it, it's your setup it's your preparation it's knowing what you're working on and knowing what the, has to be done beforehand rather than having to be reminded and, and like if you're well enough drilled and you you have that drilled in then you're gonna you're most people well everyone should be on the same wavelength anyway like and it should just kind of happen and it should be this sort of communication and the constant talk but uh yeah sometimes you do need one or two people just to uh keep the head screwed on a wee bit dara how able are you to keep the head screwed on when you're in the forward line after scoring a goal yourself no i usually usually go clean mad after a goal like um <laughs> I, the energy <clears throat> the energy that a goal gives a team is absolutely huge and I think it only makes sense to capitalise on that and push up on the next kickout and really squeeze it because the body language of the opposite team is nearly always poor enough and it's a massive opportunity to just, as as you say with the dogs, just, I suppose, ram it down the throat. Um, and it's something I enjoy in terms of when I am involved in the team where that setup is, I suppose, in place, where if you do get a goal or you do get a big score that you're you're squeezing the next kickout. Um it's a massive energy sapper when you do get a big goal, you do get a big score, and you're told to just drop, um, and you're jogging back, and then you, then you're running after base for for the next five minutes. Um, whereas if you're all up and you're all in place and you're putting a huge squeeze, and the next kick up goes long and it's just smashed back down the throats, um, you haven't had to do too much work, and you probably have the ball back, and your momentum's still there. So, I think anyway, it just makes a massive amount of sense to, um. To push that and to, to have that in place and to just to squeeze that next kick out and and keep hold of that energy and um, because even if you do lose that long like what's the worst could happen you're gonna you still have time to, to sprint back into position because you do have so much energy and um it's you know the consequences of, of squeezing it's gonna be minor like you're not gonna like the next question but you were present in letter kenny at the weekend when that ball went in from in around the 45 into the back of the net, what was the energy like then in response? <laughs> Unbelievably low. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can, I can actually just remember the feeling. Like, it's just, it's just brutal. Like, because you just, especially the way it happened where our goalkeeper was out of the net. Like, but, you know, that's the way a lot of teams are playing now. And that's, you know, of no fault of the goalkeeper in my opinion anyway. It's it, it was our it was us taking the ball in contact around the middle, losing it and then probably not responding well enough. So yeah, the the energy was sapped after that. And as I said, the response probably wasn't good enough in terms of how we responded with the next the next five, ten, fifteen minutes. And is that the winning or losing of the game, do you reckon? Like that next five, ten minutes and how you respond to it, is that what's gonna keep you in it really? Yeah, well well it, like we had we had a few chances after that. We kicked a few wides from places that we probably should have had scores, and that was probably the difference. Like, if we had it tagged on the next two, three scores, 
it still would have only been a two or three point game. We probably still would have had a right bit of energy, but we actually ended up kicking one, two, I think it might have been two or three wides. Um, and then they got the second goal, and then that was the second goal was really the biggest killer. Um, and that was when so they really started to run over the top of us. So, yeah, when you're in a game like that and you're playing a team like Donegal and you do get and you do go six, eight points down, it's massively difficult to try and stem that tide and and try and I suppose keep the scoreboard relatively respectable. But um, yeah, it's that it's that five ten minute period where where the damage really happens. Like if you don't respond well, you had the benefit, I guess, if it is a positive of being in Donegal for that, whereas Owen, you lads were up in Corrigan Park against your neighbours and unfortunately that result went against you as well. What was the energy like in the dressing room after that? Yeah, it wasn't great now. Um, I think, yeah, I just wasn't great overall. Um, boys just knew they didn't perform and that was probably the most frustrating part, like the like the level that we can hit, we didn't hit. Um, and, and, and they just, I think a lot of the boys would say that they they didn't have their best performance there, um, which is is probably the most disappointing thing. It's like when you come away from a game and you've done literally everything you can, and maybe you come up a bit short, you can almost take away a a, a bit more. It, it almost makes it a wee bit easier. Not that it's not that it's never easy to get beat, or you always want to be winning, like. But you can almost take a wee bit of sort of less than we emptied the tank. We gave everything we had. We, we we literally couldn't have played any better. We just came up against a better outfit, but. When you know that maybe you didn't uh, perform the level that you could have, like there is a bit of a bit of a worse feeling in the dressing room, like and, and you could definitely sense that from the lads, like and uh, I think a lot of both themselves. Um, so yeah, it's not a, it's, it's never a great place to be, like. But Dara's talking there about how Fermanagh are still obviously in pole position to stay up, and you've only lost two points. Division 3 is probably even more wide open at the moment in that like there's 3 level on 4 and you're going to Sligo next week uh, with an option to or a, an opportunity to get that 2 points back. Does it still give you kind of some solace that you have won those first couple of fixtures and you are still well in it and well in the reckoning um, to catch down in Westmead up there at the top of the table? 100% yeah yeah like if you're again if you're the goal at the start of the year is to get promoted and to get promoted you're going to have to win like plenty of your games um, ideally all of your games but it doesn't always happen that way um, you know if you look at from a, how many did you, did you lose one or two last year Dara I know Calvin lost two you lost one I think we we only lost we lost our second game actually yeah so similar enough uh, circumstances like. yeah um, beat it was only in the league final then Calvin beat us but uh, Calvin yeah. lost two finished top of the lost, league yeah um, like you know, teams are still getting promoted after after losing two games. Like, but the it's it's about how you bounce back. You know, you can't uh, if you let this sort of defend the whole week, and that's the energy that you're bringing into the week. Then you know it doesn't it doesn't bode too well. But um, you know, it's all about it is all about how you respond, take the lessons from it, and then carry that into the new week as well. But that's probably the good thing about this sort of period in the league. You've got sort of three games back to back where you're literally rolling game in the game in the game like there's literally no time to be feeling sorry for yourself there um so it's just about sort of refocusing on what the overall goal is and literally just getting back to work again and in other sports i suppose you'd talk about potentially not losing any of your games at home or maybe more positive say winning all of your games at home is that something that you speak about regularly in the 
National Football League as well or is it something that you don't really care about that much it's just about trying to win as many games as you possibly can Dara yeah it's it's, it's not really spoken about massively um, but everyone just knows it that your own games are massively important um, it's a weird one like because from the outside everyone will always talk about oh geez you'd want to be winning them home games when you're in the middle of it you're just building to that game and every the whole focus for that game is the same each week it's just dealing with your opposition learning as much as you possibly can about them figuring out what game plan is going to be best suited to actually try and beat them no uh, no chat is ever about oh we're going up to Letterkenny here or it's, it's not an easy place to go or we're going here or we're at home this week geez it's going to be a handy one like that is never going to be in the discussion it's purely about just preparation for the team that's up, upcoming so yeah, subconsciously, I suppose it might be in the back of your head that, you know, we're in Brewster or we're wherever. Um, and it might be a bit, you know, it's, even this weekend, like we're, play, we're playing in Adderney this weekend, which is a small club ground that we played all our home games last year. And we won all our home games. So there was quite a bit of chat that we, I suppose it was a bit of a fortress. Um, and we're back there again this week. And Cork are obviously having to come the whole way from Cork up to Fermanagh to play in a club ground. So I suppose the chat from outside is probably going to be bias towards that um, and that's what a lot of people will probably be saying but in terms of in the camp it's definitely not something that's you know you're going to be you're going to be talking about as an as an advantage or anything and then on is there a tangible different feeling having lost the game at home versus losing the game away i know you've only experienced the loss at home at the weekend but does it hit you a little bit harder um there probably is a wee bit of it, you know, um, just in that you're, you are at home, there's probably more people there from the community, um, people that come out to support the county, like, and you, you almost feel like you do let them down a wee bit. Um, so there probably is an element of that. But as I says, you, you go out to win all your games and it's not nice to lose any game. Uh, but yeah, I, I, would say, I would say at home, knowing that there's people that you know and you see people in the crowd and you see the faces there and you, you, you do obviously want to hit a performance up um, for the people that do come out and support you like and you, uh, you do feel like you've, you, you've let them down a wee bit I think a bit more short home anyway when, when, when they're there they've, they've spent a couple of quid to, to get into the game like and they've took time out of their day to come and see you like so um, yeah I definitely think there is a wee bit more of a, a disappointing factor there People will be tuning in this week and thinking Jesus this is an awful depressing podcast um, but there was there was a lot of positives for other counties and other players uh, at the weekend. Was there any standout teams or players from your perspective that you had a look at and were like, they're going quite well? Aside from the obvi- obvious, obviously, Dara. Yeah, yeah. Well, sorry, I'm just going to state the obvious here, but I think the two Cliffords, the two Cliffords, like Potty was just absolutely unbelievable. And to be honest, he's probably my man of the match. Um, even though David was absolutely ridiculous and kicked that wonder score at the end but um, those two I thought were flying I thought Killian Burke for Kerry as well was was phenomenal and add something serious to their forward line power and pace and you'd swear he's been playing for 5-10 years um, but yeah those three I thought were brilliant for Kerry um, I thought Ryan O'Donoghue for Mayo as well was, was excellent um, but he he's nearly always just unbelievably consistent he's He's just so tigerish, like, and has unbelievable feet, and has become a really prolific, I suppose, free taker. Um, and I suppose we we spoke about Shane McGuigan not getting the credit that he deserves. He kicked eleven points at the weekend, which is pretty ridiculous. And 
didn't hear a massive amount about it again. So, yeah, I suppose we, that might have confirmed what we were speaking about. On oh, anything different from you, obviously, Dara's taken the easy options there. <laughs> he, literally, he literally took the words out of, out of my mouth with the two comforts. Like, uh, <laughs> I think Darren Moynihan as well for Carrie was very good. Um, him and Ollie, I almost like mistook them for each other at some stages like just the way they, they sort of carry the ball the play ball in two sort of playmakers but potty stepping up like and, and kicking was it four points from play like um i think that was class and um, clever score obviously our david score at the end was obviously unbelievable but um yeah just really i i, I like the way they went about the business there um outside of that i thought Mayo were gonna pip it again i thought they were gonna do a smash and grab job like uh it, like did with Dublin last week but um, I think Kerry maybe got a wee bit slobby in the second half but uh, I was chatting to my dad about it like, and he was saying about the two week break it'd be interesting to see what teams sort of approaches over that two week break like did we get the balls run off them or um, did they sort of maybe undercook it a wee bit and sort of not get enough work in so it'd be interesting to see like what, what sort of team, other team setups are there um, I know there was a lot of Sigerson players playing I think it was Gala that could send off for Mayo he was playing for uh, the Sigerson um Obviously, the Canavans, um, I'm sure they would have been probably the other players, which probably came on for down. Obviously, Miguel, the Sigerson captain, like so. I'd say there's a good bit of fatigue there as well, so it'll be interesting to see how those boys handle it. And I imagine after a Sigerson, you'd be on the beers for a couple of days, like so. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, standard, yeah. Yeah, for it's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna play it safe for that, but that obviously was the standard of the of the weekend, like. Uh, Connell Callahan actually as well. Sorry, um, he played very, very well. Um. I think they almost, I think towards the second second half, they, it was just a, they, it was almost like a bit exhibitionist. They were sort of going for the goals. There was almost sort of Harlem Gumbachar style, like and uh, no, I was clicking to watch. Like I actually messaged one of the lads that was playing Sigerson without knowing he was playing Sigerson, and I was just chatting about how was the season going so far. And he said, "Lad, I just won Sigerson about an hour ago." it's going pretty well so um do you reckon actually because before we move on from the Kerry and Mayo game do you reckon Fergal Boland's listening to the podcast or something because we named him a few weeks ago and holy god he's been a man on fire since um obviously scoring a crucial score before Ryan O'Johnny who put it over the bar to level it in that fixture but that Mayo forward line, although they're down in Killarney, obviously, like they're absolutely humming at this stage of the year. Like, and Killarney's going to be a, a difficult place to go for anyone. Do they have a chance of winning the league again this year? Do you reckon, Dara? I think they're definitely in with in with a shot. I think in terms of Division One, the front runners are obviously some from what I can see is Derry and Kerry. I can't see. If I'm being honest, I don't think anyone's going to beat them too if it gets to it. I think Mayo, I don't know how well Mayo are going, to be honest. Like, when I was watching that game at the weekend, I just couldn't believe how Kerry weren't further ahead the whole game. But it's just, I suppose it's just typical Mayo to stick in a game and grind grind things out. But I, I do think they've, they've problems there, like, in terms of pushing on. And, like, from previous years, Mayo have always been flying in the league. They've just got that strong of a squad. That even when they're missing one, like two, three, four players, like they're they've replacements to come in here at a very similar level. So, do they have much more to add to their squad at the minute? I don't know. Like I don't know who's maybe one or two players to come in really, but not a massive amount. Uh, Carry seem to be 
nearly full strength as well when I was looking around their team. But they obviously have only had the Clifford back and that's gonna to go to another level as well in terms of just the whole the whole system. Um and I think yeah, well Clifford kinda of spoke about it after. He says that they they do put a big enough focus on the league. Um so I'd imagine it'll be it'll be a Derry Carry final in, in Division One. It'd be it'd, it'd be a good game to watch actually that. Two contrasting styles as well, and I did want to touch on Derry. Obviously, we spoke about their runners off the shoulder and so many options. It's such a high-intensity game that they're playing. Do you think it's important when you're playing that style of game to rotate players a little bit so that players are still fresh come uh, end of the league and into championship, or do you just put your best team on the field every week on? Uh, I was actually chatting about this the other day. Like... Derry obviously flying at the minute and they were sort of asked the question of like I wonder how long they can sort of sustain that like part of you just thinks right at some point the not that the wheels are going to come off but like at some point there's going to be a dip and going to be a low but the way they've been going the way they've been going even last year they, they, they've had they've been able to carry a serious amount of momentum forward um, and I do think we are using a lot more players than what they used last year um, but I do think there is that importance of, of boys if you keep everyone fit, then brilliant, happy days. But I do think you do need that depth where lads can come in off the bench and do a job. Um, like you see it with the, with the top teams, like that's there. Like for the last what 10, 15 years, you've been chatting about the bench coming in and, and finishing off games. Like, and I think that's key. You know, you need players there who, firstly, in training are competing for spaces and it, it drives the, the whole standard up. But then when you know that, right, someone's done the job and the player that you're bringing on is just as good as them. Um, it, 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 it's a class boost to see someone fucking quality coming in off the bench like so yeah I do think the depth is is key giving players that exposure um, but I do think it's up to the players as well to be at that standard and be, be fit to go and implement the game plan like and be be, be ready to go like so um, yeah ideally if you have 25 to 30 players who are all at that standard it would be it would be unbelievable I think something there is to realise too is go ahead there is Derry or is Derry's first year in, in Division One? Like they haven't had a massive amount of exposure to play in top teams over the last. Well, they have like within Ulster and within the All Ireland, but it's still not a massive amount of games. So they're probably thinking, we want as many games as we can possibly get with our first team to again just gain exposure to um play more just play more games against the top teams. They learn like learn as much as they possibly can in this league. And then they'll hopefully have learned nearly everything come the championship. And then the like the hunger within Derry at the minute is absolutely huge. You can see that in every single player throughout every every game. Um, so as Owen said, it's probably going to be a mini lull, but I don't see it impacting their ability to win in All Ireland or anything in this year. To be honest, due to just the huge hunger levels and the quality they have, and they have brought players in as well. That's the thing. Like it's not a case of just they're they're playing with the same team they have last year. Like they've two three. Two or three new lads in who are really stepping up um, and putting, I suppose, their hand up for, for starting positions, which is creating a bit of creating a bit of competition within this within the first fifteen, which Derry haven't had in the last two two years. Like they, they nearly have played the same team and the same boys coming off the bench all the time. So squad depth is better, and they've introduced new lads who are getting exposure at the highest level. Um, for seven, eight games, they'll probably get to a final. So that's probably the way they're looking at it, to be honest. 
But the reason that I suppose you would rotate is to give everybody game time, um, which might not be an issue, I suppose, if lads are pushing on and challenging for those starting positions. But does it affect the team and the system if a couple of players do get injured and you've been playing the same starting 15 throughout the league, do you think, Owen? Yeah, I think to an extent it, it, it probably would. Like, um, you know, treating one thing, but then actually playing on game day is, is another thing in itself. Like, and um, with the occasion, it does come a wee bit more, I suppose, pressure. Um, and I suppose a bit, hype, a bit of hype about it than if you're not used to, if you haven't been in that scenario and you haven't been exposed to that sort of um, environment too often, like, it can seem like a big, big deal. Whereas, you know, if someone's played um, 20, 30, 40 games, um, in their career it's kind of it's another day out like they kind of look forward to it and they realize it compared to maybe someone who's a bit more inexperienced um, no doubt they have the ability there otherwise they wouldn't be in the squad but um, you know sometimes it just does take a bit of exposure to nicely sort of build yourself in it like um, so I do think getting that exposure is key using players where you can uh, but then again it's like teams want to get results and if something's working and teams are winning you can sometimes be reluctant to change things and, and, and experiment, which you totally get as well when, when you know, we're chatting about promotion or chatting about avoiding relegation, like getting points on the board early is the, is the, is the most important thing. Um, but then it's about, that's where the manager comes in. They decide, right, for, for the longevity, where can we get players in so that we can continue this sort of trend going forward um, rather than relying on sort of 15 to, to 18 players, say, where you can have sort of 23, 24, 25 that can, that can come in and do a job like Someone that might not be that worried about longevity, uh, maybe Davy Burke and Ross Common, which is 65 sessions so far this year. Surely those sessions have to be a mixture of pitch and gym, though, that he's counting. It can't be 65 days of the year they're doing stuff. And then what are your own perspectives on us? Like, is it valuable to do that level of training? Obviously, we don't know what they're doing inside of training, but is there a risk factor that comes along with that, Dara? I think it has to, to touch on that I'm, I'm 99% sure he's including gym sessions as well he's probably including recovery sessions he's probably including fucking swimming sessions down, down it's, somewhere it's, yeah. like he's probably including everything there like um, I don't know if I, I don't know how you'd get that in but yeah you have to be careful at load management and I suppose it, it, it depends like context is absolutely key when you're talking about how many sessions someone's doing like if you're talking about just basic skill sessions and that's fair enough and He's probably got a point in terms of just developing that side of the game, but if you're talking about four or five intense sessions a week, then it's it's just not feasible. And you know, as a squad, it's 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 going to just go the opposite direction for you. If you if you take that as say you take that as four or five sessions a week, like it's only twelve to sixteen weeks, like really. So, you know, that's probably we'll say we'll say. 8th of November, I think that's when, that, that's when teams are officially allowed to be back training, so we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. But it, it brings you up there and around there, like, so, um, listen, most counties are probably starting there, like, if you're getting 65 sets done in, in, in 12, to, 12 to 16 weeks, I'd say most county teams are doing that, whether they're all collective or not, I'd say it's a pretty mad commitment if they are all collective. Um, I know, like, ah. yes, with gym sets and stuff, some of them are collective, but you can have a bit of leeway to do sort of remote and, and get it done, but, um, I suppose I think a lot of players in the same or a lot of teams are in the same boat. I don't think all teams have all players at any one stage. Like, um, we're just chatting about Sigerson there minutes ago. 
there's going to be boys play away playing Sigerson. Um, there's going to be boys playing club if the clubs are doing well, and obviously, uh, you know, it's it's yes, ideally you would have everyone there being selfish and that, like you want your your team to do the 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 best possible and have all the players available to you, but um, yeah, it's not always perfect, like is it? Is there anything to be said for reducing the amount of sessions slightly from five maybe to four, um, or even doubling up and doing gym and pitch on the same night and doing three? And having everybody present rather than going with more sessions your four or five nights a week and having lads missing here or there because maybe it's a little bit contagious to the group then and lads are thinking oh well he missed tonight i'm gonna miss tomorrow uh, i have a christening to go to or whatever um i'd like if you have a christening to go to go to the christening i suppose but like maybe if other people are making excuses other players are more likely to make excuses what do you think Dara? Yeah, well, I suppose nearly every team is, is doing four collective sessions a week. Um, but as Owen says, there's going to be a bit of leeway for players who are living an hour, an hour and a half away from the gym. Like, you're just not going to make them travel down. Maybe some counties are doing that. But I don't know. But, uh, like, and, and as well, as touching on that, like, most teams are doing the pitch in the gym days as well, doubling up. Not every time, but sometimes they just... To I suppose one to have everyone together doing it, but to, to free up another day for for recovery, and that's kind of the way things are going at the moment. Um, it's something even me and Owen would utilize with their own players in, in terms of the high low model, uh, the Charlie Francis model, like, and it, it just makes a lot of sense. So that's probably the main way now of of reducing the amount of times that team's going to be having to I suppose meet collectively. Um, and to be honest, like when it's done that way, it's a lot more enjoyable for a player when you're not having to go somewhere five days a week um, because that can be quite a burden and it can be mentally quite fatiguing I suppose to just always have to be somewhere for a certain time Um, I can't really speak massively this year as because I have like in terms of the gym sessions I've obviously been working um with Alan in terms of the gym and, and, the, and the pitch side of things in terms of returning from injury so collectively I, I haven't even maybe accumulated half of those 65 sessions in the last 12-16 weeks no expenses for you, big lad. I haven't even locked that up. He doesn't need them. Um, <laughs> but you would be surprised, lads, I'd say, that, like, I spoke to a couple of um, teams before I came out here about what they were doing in previous years and, and what they were planning on doing in, in the coming year. And two of them, anyway, were not doing double sessions. Like, they were doing pitch and gym on separate nights, and that was one thing that I outlined to them that had to be changed. So, you might think it's across the board, but it's definitely not. And if you are doing gym separately, as well as your pitch, I'd be... And you're doing your gym away from the pitch and away from the rest of the group, I'd be questioning what is the intent like and what is the quality like of that gym session i know it's not going to be possible for everyone but if you can get it done on the same night and do it together under observation i would imagine it's going to be of better quality as well as that you can have a life outside of it like own if you were up the pitch um five six nights a week i'd potentially are i don't know what paul would be saying to you um i uh no, I'd be tight enough one like I gave him from your own head. Um, you know, just knowing that you have to be somewhere at a certain time, like you know that you are like yes, you obviously you already put a lot on pause for for playing, like, 
Um, but I do think even with the nature of work that we're in, where we kind of on our own schedule, it's nice to be able to know like right, I can go and get this session done at whatever stage. Um, and I don't have to like be sitting about all not sitting about all day, but like you know, if you have a gap there in the middle of the day, right, I can go and bang this out, get this done, maybe take my time getting it done, and add in a few wee things that sort of like that you want to do, and then you can come back and chill out and, and, and feel like you're getting a bit of a life and just chill out in the evening, like rather than having to know that right of training tonight like we're doing that at the minute we're gym and pitch on separate days um and just knowing that like if you're waiting to say six seven o'clock to go and do a gym session in the evening when you know you can set your day up so that you have it done first thing in the morning you can probably get more recovery time then before you're out in the pitch again the next evening um it can be frustrating at times but then you know when you are in the environment of the collective sessions obviously we got the new setup there in silly as well so it's a it's a good environment to be in it is good to get the sessions in but um, I do think we have a bit of a good balance in terms of lads are all in, lads are all doing it, and they, you know, if lads can't make it as long as they're getting it done, that's the main thing. Um, I don't think there's anyone around the panel here sort of messed about with it and, and taking liberties. Like, um, but the majority would be at the the collective sessions, but yeah, no, it's nice to get a night off, and they, it's not even a night off. You're still getting the session done, but it's you feel like you're getting the night off. Like, do you know what I mean? It's just it's nice to chill out and. Uh, be able to have dinner at a reasonable time and 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 maybe check the feet for a bit, like and get to bed at a reasonable time. Dara, it's obviously in stark contrast to uh, what uh, you've been doing, obviously with your double sessions and and your individualized work. But we will move on to something that's probably uh, definitely within your scope. And Armagh seemed to be going quite well at the weekends. Uh, or was it a case that Kildare just potentially aren't up to it this year in Division 2 um, for Mana having you played them already didn't you um, like what's Kildare? your perspective on that yeah uh, yeah I was very surprised at the level that Kildare were off that night um, even seemed to have went backwards from last year and last year wasn't their best year either so yeah, I think everyone's well aware of there's probably issues within the camp or whatever, and I'm not sure. I can't really speak on that, but it's it's pretty evident on the pitch that things aren't, I suppose, firing as well as they probably should be with the quality of the player that's within the county. Um, so again, it's hard to know, it's hard to take anything from that game if you're Armagh, and they probably know that themselves. Like, yes, they're probably going quite well, but they come up against a team who probably just aren't at the level that they should be at the moment. So, yeah, we play them now. We play Armagh in two weeks, so I'm sure we'll we'll know more about what level they're at with that night when we play them. We have them at home, so, um, yeah, looking forward to that one as well. We have them in the championship too, actually. So be be they're feisty. usually quick starters in the league, though, aren't they? Like, and I know from insights into the camp, they do train quite hard in the preseason. Um, is there a risk with that? I suppose that. You're hoping, Dara, by the time it runs around the championship, they've almost burnt out from um, been flying so so high in the league. Although you've said previously that that doesn't really happen in terms of game plan, but can it happen physically? I don't think it can happen that quickly. Like we play them two, three weeks after the league finishes, so they're definitely not going to be. There's no. There's going to be no burnout physically at that stage of the year. Um, and I think Armagh probably took lessons. Like they've they've took that approach over the last probably since Kieran McGinney came in first that they've done a lot of work in the off season and they've got themselves into phenomenal shape for the league did they do this that this year I, I haven't 
I have absolutely no idea. Only they probably know that. Um, maybe they're taking a different approach this year. It's again they're in Division Two. They were in Division One the last number of years, so you can't really compare in terms of. I suppose knowing what level they were at, they're at this year in comparison to last year. Um, maybe you could take something from the fact that Loud nearly beat them on the first day in Athletic Grounds. Would that have happened in previous years when they were absolutely flying? Maybe not. So maybe they are taking a different approach this year. Um, but again, in terms of burnout of players and that side of things, you wouldn't generally see that until later on in the championship. Um, and again, even with the split season now that is involved, I don't even know if that's a thing really anymore because of how early the, the year finishes. Well, I did see a tweet... And I know that we have to take Twitter with a, a pinch of salt um, about Antrim and potential like burnout and potential that the split season doesn't really work in Antrim because there are a number of dual players um, at club um, level and county level. Does it affect you at all, Owen? Or would you be saying that that tweet is absolute rubbish? Uh, I don't even see the tweet, but... It, it's it's not even a split season like it's a joke the way it's set up in Antrim. Um, we like last year I played four and a half games for the club all year. Um, championship was finished in the middle of August and it was like like where where the season go? Um, you know if we're obviously you want your county to do well, and club teams are nearly punished then if boys are with the county and the county's going well and the season's going on long um you know come crunch games in the league county players aren't available to the club and then you know you're maybe running straight in the championship like if we i think if we looking at the dates you know you, you could potentially be playing in maybe a, a championship final or a touch cup final or something like that and you could be up your club um you know two weeks later like in the, in the championship in the first game of the championship um so like you're not really getting an awful lot of time there one, you're not really getting any downtime after the the, the county season finishes, um, and then you're going straight into another campaign. If that goes well, you can be straight into you know October time, um, all being well, best case scenario. Like, and then you're sure by the time you're finished that, you're going straight back into the county again. So there is no real split season really. Um, and then you have boys going and playing hurling, playing football. Um, you know they're probably week on week. Yes, they're getting plenty of games, but from us being like you know we 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 we've had the agile players like um the toll it takes on boys is is it's hard to manage like um and you know the like there'll be maybe eight or nine hurlers playing on our football team and they'd probably go and start in the start in the hurling team as well like and if they're playing week on week you know one week they're at hurling trying to get a couple of sessions in there because they have a championship game coming up and then they're coming back to us the next week the following week the hurlers are suffering because suffering they're not getting them it's it's a tricky scenario to be in like but i don't think it's not handled in the in the best way like we haven't even like officially been told when the leagues are starting um and they could be starting in two three weeks time like um trying to plan a summer holiday like and you don't even know when the championship's going to be um nah it, you know if, like it was just about to say you weren't worried about it when you were in the beat the last year or the year before <laughs> but, uh, we put it, so, uh, that was the middle of august we were put out last days it was in ibiza but that's the thing i missed the uh booked the holiday hoping right to be grand i'll be home the end of july here Surely I'll not miss any championship, and yeah, I missed the first group game of the championship. Um, Who is it the fault of on? Is it the county board? Well, I think it has to be a wee bit. Like, um, they obviously are the ones that make the decisions at the end of the day. Like, I know in the past when Ender was in, Ender McGinley was in, he wanted a big part to play in it, um, as in making the fixtures so that 
it could work for everyone that players could he was good and like right lads can go and play games at the club if they're not getting games in the county go and pay a half or whatever um but he wanted to be involved in the fixtures so there was no you know uh he's not playing or here come come play for the club sort of thing if you're not getting minutes there and putting pressures putting everyone in a sort of sort of tricky scenario like um so I do think it is the county board at the end of the day, but I do understand, yes, they're trying to balance hurling, they're trying to balance football and trying to fit dates in, but surely there has to be a better way to go about it. Like, um, aye. Is there any county board in the country that the people within the county are saying, Jesus, the county board are playing a blinder? <laughs> they're brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well, that doesn't help us. <laughs> um, what would we have we'll to give out about? No, nah, we, we won't be giving out for the last bit, I suppose, but we'll go through uh, next week's fixtures and the, the big fixtures. First one up on Saturday is Tyrone versus Mayo. And actually, we can't move on without mentioning, I know Tyrone were unfortunate against Galway to miss out and lose by a point, but Jesus Christ, how good was Niall Morgan? He was like a man possessed. Did you see that take up over, over the crossbar and then he's... Picking passes like uh, Kevin De Bruyne up the field as well. Darius, did you watch the game? A point from play as well. Yeah, yeah. Almost I've seen goal. the highlights. He was he was phenomenal. Like he's so athletic. Like he, they've said that for years that he he probably could have played outfield for Throne as well. So it's a ridiculous asset that they have there. Um, I've seen him. His ability in the air within his own square is just phenomenal. Like nearly every game you see him coming out and taking balls, not just in his chest or not just fisting them, like literally taking them above his head, you know, two yards from his own goal. So, yeah, he's, he's been doing that for a long time now and he's probably now starting to progress even further up the pitch, which I think a lot of teams are doing. But um, it's, 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 it's huge when you have someone who is so comfortable as an outfield player for the club at a high level within Toronto to be in your own goals, to be so good at kickouts, like and have such a boom, like he, he has all the qualities to be fair to him. Um yeah, it was, a, it was a serious performance. So will you be picking them for next week's fixture against Mayo in Oma? Or who is your verdict or who's your prediction on who's gonna win that one? That's a really tough one. Um I suppose both teams probably need a win based off last week's results so I think given it's in Oma I'd probably I'd probably go with Throne for that one um, especially like obviously this week the Canamans had their Sigerson game a couple of days before that may have factored into that game um, Throne will probably be a wee bit stronger this week again so the fact that it's in Oma I'd, I'd back Throne probably to win that Owen yeah gotta go, gotta go on Throne that one again um, I think it will Trump be man. a take. <laughs> Sorry, for that Trump. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do think it'll be a tight one again. I don't think either of them are, are firing on all cylinders at the minute. Um, I do think it'll be tight. Um, but I think the last couple of years, the, 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 a lot of games sort of stand out in their head anyway. I do think Toronto sort of cut over the line against Mayo a few times. Um, so that's just making me ears towards them, like. I'll go Mayo then to even it out. Um, the next big <laughs> fixture is a absolutely Killian massive one in Croke Park. <laughs> <laughs> He's my biggest fan, mate. Uh, 
Tears Northern South Don't be splitting it You're always blaming us For splitting it You're the one splitting it Now And Dublin are playing Kerry in Croke Park then at half seven on Saturday. Um, two teams absolutely flying this last week. Uh, who's your pick there, Dara? That's, that's a clinker, that one. I'm looking forward to actually watching that. Um, I was massively impressed with Kerry at the weekend, even though they only won by a point. And as we mentioned, Mayo stuck in the game. I just think they're, I think they're at a completely different level. Like, all... I was... I know Kerry have always had footballers all over the pitch, like, you know, even in their back line, but I just think it's at an even higher level this year. I was looking at the cornerbacks, the fullback. Nearly everyone is just coming out soloing with both feet, kick passing up the, the pitch with both feet, really silky. Um, and again, they're going to be further down the line, obviously, just because they've had another game under the belt last week. They've had a good win. They've got a bit of momentum. Um, the Dubs obviously have eventually got a win and, and probably will find themselves well but I think I'm going to go for Kerry just with the, the form the two Cliffords are on um, and the quality they have throughout that team is just is just ridiculous Owen same again same again <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pick Dublin then just <laughs> to spite <laughs> Dewey um, moving on like there, there are some great fixtures then on Sunday too and we will move on from Division 1 eventually but Galway against Derry. Galway obviously getting their win, but haven't really looked phenomenal so far in the league. And then Derry absolutely flying it on the top of the table. Are Derry going to go down to Galway and get the win, do you reckon, Owen? Yeah, I think so. I think the how they've been performing, and I think there's a good buzz around the place. Um, they seem like they've plenty of energy, and I think the each win is just going to keep them sort of building that bit of momentum. So. Yeah, I do think uh, I do think Dara will get the win again. Dara, are you going to agree with Owen again? I I was going to just I was just going to touch on Galway. Like they've obviously been struggling so far, but I rarely see a team go down to Galway and and run over the top of them. So it'll be an interesting one. It'll be good to see if Shane Walsh is back as well. I think that'll have a an impact on on that side of things as well. If Shane Walsh is back, I could see that one being really close. I just, if he's not, I just don't think Galway have enough quality at the moment to, to get over the likes of Derry with, you know, with the the quality that Derry have at the minute, and they're obviously near basically at full strength. So, I think it'll be close, but I'm gonna go for Derry by a couple of points. Okay, and then, obviously in Division Two, a big crunch tie between Armagh and Donegal. Dara, having faced Donegal last week. And Armagh in two weeks' time. It's quite an important fixture, I guess, for you guys. But who do you envision getting out of that one with two points? No comment. <laughs> nah, I, I'll go with a draw on that one. That, that one's going to be close, I reckon. Get off the fence, pick one. <laughs> They're both shade. <laughs> on what do you reckon, Armagh and Donegal? Yeah. I think it'll be. I think it'll be tight. Um, I'm gonna go Armagh though. I don't know why. Just something he says. Says Armagh. Um, yeah, gonna go Armagh. I'll go Donegal in that one. So you think I'm just disagreeing for you or with you for the sake of it? But maybe I am. I suppose. Uh, we need. We need, have your own we need opinions here. <laughs> Can't just be throwing out like... teams with any justification. 
<laughs> yeah, right, oh. okay, well, look, I just think it's apparent that Donegal have been flying with uh, Jim McGuinness back in, and they're going to have a system in play. I know the style of training that they're doing is obviously quite taxing, um, but I think that it leads to high outputs at the start of the season and then maybe wavering off, and we're still at the start of the season. So I feel like, and it's obviously just uh, me guessing, I feel like Donegal are probably closer to their peak than Armagh are. Um, and then I just, I've seen Jim McGuinness in action and I know that he's going to be in that dressing room and getting them absolutely pumped all week to play Armagh and go up there. And he's probably circled this fixture as a massive one that they're going to shock everybody and uh, strike fear into everybody's hearts, I suppose, um, for the rest of the season. So I just think it's a massive fixture for Donegal. And I would say they're, I know we say that you take every game as it comes, but I would imagine they're putting more emphasis on getting a result in that game because it's a top of the table clash. Um, and it does send a message to everybody in Division 2 as well as everybody around the country. So there's your opinion. Is that enough of a justification for you, Dara? Not bad. I'll take it. Um, I'll take it. And then we're going to your two fixtures, which obviously um, Dara can see pass for Mada <laughs> against Cork, obviously at home. We've touched on that already. And then Antrim in Sligo. Have you been down to Sligo? Um, to Markovic Park before Owen? And why are, like, we know what you're going to pick here as a result, but tell me why you're going to go down there and get win. Um, I don't think I've actually been down there before. Um, I can't think off the top of my head. I don't, I don't think I have. Um, but no, I think I think we'll bounce back this week. Um, obviously disappointing to, to, get, to get the defeat there. Um, and the manner of the defeat against down. Um, but yeah, I think like you know the boys are refocused. The 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 goal is still promotion at the end of the day. Um, and if we want to be in the hunt for promotion, we need to have a big response and a big bounce back. So. Um, I think a lot of boys knew, as I said earlier, like a lot of boys knew that the performance wasn't up to the standard that we knew we could hit. Um, so I suppose it's like it's supposed to be putting that right this week, like and and, and getting back to operating the levels and the standards that we know we can hit. Um, and I suppose the big thing is like consistency and wanting to perform the consistent standard week in week out. There is as close to your your best standard week in week out. Um, but then also it'll test us a bit in terms of like right one result hasn't gone our way. Um, how do we kind of respond with that, and how do we sort of uh, kick on from there? Um, you know maybe in the in the in the last couple of years there's been a result or two maybe hasn't gone the way, and you know maybe we we haven't really bounced back from it. But if we want to show that we've we've learned and we've 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 grew as a team, um, I think there needs to be a big reaction this week. Like so, yeah, I'm 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 going for an agile one there. And, and maybe Dara, you go for an Antrim win, or what you reckon? Oh uh, no! If McCabe's back, McCabe's back. It's a guaranteed W. Like, <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> we love a bit of support on the on the podcast, lads. Thank you again for joining us on another episode of the Backdoor Cut. Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Dara. And best luck the weekend, lads. Cheers, cheers, boys. <laughs>